The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World better get healthy and help animals welcome to main street vegan with your host victoria moran it is our choices harry that show what we truly are far more than our abilities dumbledore said that to harry potter in chamber of secrets and it applies perfectly to the move toward vegan living our choices change our lives and our choices change the world I'm Victoria Moran, your host for this program. You can find more about what goes on beneath the Main Street Vegan umbrella at MainStreetVegan.net. If you subscribe there to our blog and newsletter, you'll receive a really fun and helpful PDF, Three Steps to Rocking a Vegan Lifestyle. So I'll hope. I hope you will check that out. Now, I chose the Harry Potter quotation because our second segment guest is Ivana Lynch, Luna Lovegood, and all those Harry Potter movies. And right now, it's my pleasure to welcome back another vegan superstar, Liz D. You can find her first appearance on the show in the archives from November 4th, 2015. But oh my gosh, so much has happened then. Just yesterday, Liz was featured in Forbes.com in a story by Katrina Fox called Smarties Co-President Liz D has created the Vegan Lady Boss Network to help women in business. So do check out the story. Liz is, as it says, co-president of Smarties Candy. You know the roles. We all had them at Halloween, and <laughs> we still give them out at Halloween. And she is CEO of Baleen and Born Capital, a venture fund that invests in businesses creating solutions to outdated animal products. Liz is also the founder, and this is what we're going to focus on today because this is so cool, and this is something you can do in your city, your town, wherever you are, of Vegan Lady Boss, a global community of organized, connected, and empowered vegan women. Liz lives in New York City with her husband, Nick Guerin, and they're totally adorable, I can guarantee this, rescue dog, Sandy. Welcome, Liz. Thank you so much, Victoria. I'm really happy to be here speaking with you today. Well, I am so happy to have you back. I mean, you were a major vegan power woman back in 2015, and now you have just so far outdone your former self. 
<laughs> just amazed at all you're doing and certainly all you're going to do. So uh, for people who didn't listen way back when, just give us the really quick story of how you went from just being a candy executive to being a vegan candy executive. Absolutely. Thank you, Victoria. And I should say likewise, every time I turn around, you've either written another book or launched a new initiative. I don't know how you do it. We must do it the same way. <laughs> Staying up um, too late. Yeah, so, <laughs> thank you for asking. Um, so just quickly, I know you have listeners all over the world, and I, I think it's worth mentioning that Smarties Candy Company is based in the United States, and in the USA, Smarties are a vegan candy, whereas outside of the United States, they are similar to M&M's. They're chocolate candy, and they're not vegan. Um, so the candy that I make, we make, is vegan, which is part of my going vegan story. I was doing research for work in August of 2011, and I wanted to write about the fact that Smarties were vegan so I could market to vegan consumers. But I didn't know anything about veganism. So I went online and began doing some research, and I stumbled across undercover videos of factory farms and slaughterhouses. And once I saw how incredibly cruelly and inhumane our treatment of animals truly was to produce animal products, I decided to opt out of the system, and I went, I went vegan that day. I gave away my lunch. I was really moved and disturbed by what really are standard industry practices. So I thought, why not just go vegan? And uh, I went from dedicated meat, dairy, and egg-loving omnivore to vegan in really the blink of an eye. It's, I think, a testament to how powerful film can be. I watched a video called Meet Your Meat and uh, Glass Walls. And, of course, as Paul McCartney famously said, if slaughterhouses had glass walls, Everyone would be vegetarian, and uh, so that certainly was true for me. Mm. I think a lot of it, Liz, is a testament to who you are, because people do see those and don't make the change. And, and I love how this ties in with the quotation, it is our choices that show what we truly are. And you started making humane choices instantly. So hats off to you for that. Now, let us jump right in, because time is short, into Vegan Lady Boss. How, why, what, and how can everybody do it? Okay, yes. <laughs> in November of 2016, I decided to begin Vegan Lady Boss, which is now a global community of vegan women who organize meetings all over the world to advance their careers in animal advocacy. Really what it was was something that I was seeking for in my own life. There are a lot of great vegan meetups and other opportunities for vegans to get together, but I didn't quite find one that was focusing on this area that I so desperately wanted and needed. So I decided to start it myself uh, with five friends in my apartment in uh, the village of New York City. And uh, slowly but surely through word of mouth, it grew very quickly. And we began receiving interest from people all over the world who wanted to be a part of it. And so just this past uh, January, we launched our global initiative, our website, veganladyboss.com, and now anyone can organize a meeting anywhere at any time. Um, so long as they are vegan and self-identify as a woman, we will set them up to have impactful meetings that connect and hopefully inspire the attendees. And how on earth did you come up with the idea, the format, the focus? It's so unique and so powerful, and as you've said, it's just growing like wildfire. 
I thought about what was missing for me and what I really wanted to see that I thought could be impactful for others. And I knew that coming together as vegan women was already going to be magic in and of itself. But over the course of a year, we tweaked and developed a meeting program, a format that we found to be most impactful. I uh, actually polled participants over the course of a year to see what they liked, what they didn't like, what worked, what didn't work, and really focusing in on discussion topics that are either um, about careers or animal advocacy has allowed us to be empowered to professionally thrive as well as in our animal advocacy. So I'm sure there are some women out there thinking, it sounds good, but I'm not a boss. Can I join? Yes. So lady boss <laughs> is a term that I really like to use, not because uh, participants need to be the boss of other people or managers or executives. They can be anywhere on their path. Um, what it's about is being the boss of one's own life. I think all of us are looking for self-actualization and that is what this is about. It's about empowerment and not necessarily about being the boss of other people. Mm. And you talked about that actually at the last meeting. It was a wonderful big meeting in the home of Susie Welch and, and her daughter Eve Wetlofer, who've both been guests on this program. And you talked about a major value for you being to have, I think your term was self-determined life. Can you riff on that for a bit? Yes, of course. So I've been studying with a teacher about autonomy in life, so living with autonomy in my life. And when Susie asked me uh, what that meant specifically, um, I shared that that meant living a life of my own design. So really being the one who writes one's own biography. And I think that's something that all of us are seeking, the ability to be in control and make decisions that shape our lives. And you're certainly doing that and helping other women do the same. So tell a little bit about the format. If somebody were to come to their first Vegan Lady Boss meeting, what would they find? Yeah, absolutely. So the meeting structure is a three-part structure. Uh, Any Vegan Lady Boss anywhere will be following the structure, regardless of the organizer. It begins with intros where everyone shares their going vegan story and a little brief uh, intro of who they are. Then it leads into discussion, and discussion topics range. I'm happy to talk about that further, but they're either related to career or animal advocacy. And then we have our outros, the third part. And the outros are, uh, I think, part of why a lot of people come, because it's not only the uh, time when people share one thing that they're excited about, but it's also the time when people share their ask, which is something that they're looking for. And generally, with anywhere from 10 to 75 connected smart vegan women in the room, people find what they're looking for very, very quickly. Um, Sometimes that's, I don't know, a graphic designer or a nutritionist or an apartment in Brooklyn, whatever it may be, people share their ask and generally get connected to answers within that very day. Yeah, that is an amazing part of it. And I think that's part of who women are anyway. You know, we love to connect and help people out. But just last night, I was with five lady bosses. <laughs> we got oh, together yeah. at Candle Cafe West to talk about the writings of Anthony William, the medical medium. And it was just a little teeny tiny sub-interest of a little teeny tiny group of us. But as we were talking about who we were, and one of the women talked about the town that she works in, which happens to be the same town that another lady boss had made her ask about, 
And it was so cool to be able to say, well, you weren't at the meeting, but can you help this other person who needs this thing in your very town? And she's like, yeah, I could do that. So it, it's wonderful how it just works and it, it kind of weaves in and out and just keeps giving back. So is there a great lady boss success story you'd like to share? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And and I'll just touch briefly on that. I love that you shared that because it's kind of like this serendipitous moment. And I think that's what vegan lady boss meetings do. They almost force serendipity to happen. They accelerate, they accelerate those moments. Um, and I love seeing it. And that really is where the success stories come from. And, and we were lucky enough, as you mentioned, to be featured on Forbes.com. And a lot of those success stories, many success stories, I should say, were shared in that article. And, um, Anytime any woman gets connected with another person in that who wasn't previously in their network, to me that's a big success. So from from day one, I was already seeing people connect and make friends as well as um, begin working with one another. So um, I actually would love to quote J. L. Fields because she shared something that I thought was so was so beautiful. If that's okay with you, of course, I love J. L. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I wrote a book with J. L. I know you did. <laughs> and then I would love to pass it to you and ask you, because I know you've participated for so long since day one. You've been on this journey with me. Um, how, what's been impactful for you and maybe suggestions. I'd love to hear your suggestions that you have as well for how we can improve Vegan Lady Boss. But I'll start, I'll start with what JL said to answer your question. Um, in her words, she said, as a self-employed veg, vegpreneur, I often feel isolated. I run a vegan bit business in a small city and my scope is narrow. Once I launched a local chapter of Vegan Lady Boss, I found myself surrounded by other women leaders and immediately felt connected to a community I didn't even know existed. Whenever I have a business need, I turn to my local chapter members and get answers and support immediately. In a world of competition, there's something special about a cohort of women who all have a shared mission, change the world for animals, the planet, and people through compassion, and are determined to support one another's individual success. I thought she said it so beautifully. I wanted to just share those words. And, of course, wow. I'm a big Dale Field fan. Oh, that's beautiful, Liz. You know, for me, I think the coolest thing um, that, that I see in Legan, the vegan lady boss is the power of the women. And mm. so many of them are very, very young. They're, they're in their 20s. A few of them are even still in college. But they're not just sitting on the outskirts thinking about what they might do someday. Every single one of them is doing things now to make vegans, to save animals, to change the planet. And it's so inspiring to me because we often look out at the news and things like that and think, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, it just doesn't look good. And yet you go to a vegan lady boss meeting and it's like, oh yeah, we got this thing. <laughs> so I love it. And I love you, and thank you so much for starting this wonderful thing. Now, if somebody is interested in starting a, a vegan lady group of their very own, what do they do? They can go to veganladyboss.com and contact us. Uh, you can see um, under Meet what cities 
uh, already have meetings taking place. However, if someone wants to organize a meeting where meetings are already taking place, they can absolutely do that. We will probably be having many organizers in various cities as time goes on. Right now, we have over 20 meetings or, and organizers in different locations in over six countries. So uh, reach out to us, and we will loop you into your local, your closest local Vegan Lady Boss meeting. And uh, if you'd like to start a meeting yourself, we will send you an organizer starter kit and get you everything you need to know to have a Vegan Lady Boss meeting. Aha, that's wonderful. So the um, veganladyboss.com, Facebook Vegan Lady Boss, and do follow my dear friend and, and a true mentor on Twitter, the Liz D. And we'll put all of that on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. I am so sorry, Liz, that we don't have time to talk about your amazing venture capital work. We'll bring you back and talk about that some other sunny day. That's quite all right. Thank you so much, Victoria. I adore you and the work that you do, and I appreciate the opportunity to share about Vegan Lady Boss. And thank you for all you do. Wow. Don't you love it when you come into contact with people who are really changing the world? And that is what is happening every single day in all of these wonderful vegan outlets. And I'm so happy to have this opportunity to um, introduce you to some wonderful people and share some really cool stuff. I do want to let you know about the blog this week at MainStreetVegan.net. It is written by Barbara Becker, a graduate of Main Street Vegan Academy, our wonderful week-long program in New York City that trains vegan lifestyle coaches and educators. And she's written about veganism and grief. We all go through loss. And is there a way that being vegan can actually help soften that process? Barbara Becker says there is. And I invite you all to take a look at this week's blog post. Also want to give a shout out to the wonderful people at Compliment, a wonderful, wonderful supplement. Um, If you go to alpineorganics.org, I'm sorry, alpineorganics.co, you can find out all about this wonderful supplement created by vegans for vegans, where just in some squirts of a nice, not bad tasting <laughs> liquid, you can get your B12. We all need that. Vitamin D, you know, vitamin D is really important. So you can use your calcium. More women die of hip fractures than of breast cancer, so we really do need the vitamin D and those omega-3 fatty acids in a form that we can readily use them, all vegan, and that is complement. So if you go to alpineorganics.co and it looks good to you and you want to get some for yourself, just put in the um, discount code MAINSTREETVEGAN, all caps, and get yourself 10% Ah, so hey to uh, Pamela Ferguson, RD, PhD, and uh, Matt Frazier, the no meat athlete, for coming up with a really cool product that I use every single day. Oh my goodness, I am so happy now to be able to introduce to you one of the young women on this planet that I just feel is is one of my honorary daughters. <laughs> I have a few. And she is such a light in this world. And you're probably a great big fan because you're listening today. She certainly has plenty of them. And this is Ivana Lynch. 
Ivana is an Irish actress, vegan activist, and podcaster. Her show is called The Chick Peeps Podcast, and it's fabulous. At age 14, Ivana became known for portraying the role of the free-spirited Luna Lovegood in the Harry Potter film series. Her other film and stage credits include My Name is Emily, GBF, Danny and the Human Zoo, and Disco Pigs. Ivana went vegetarian at age 11 for the animals and then transitioned to veganism in 2014. She created the Chick Peeps podcast with her friends Momoko, Robbie, and Tyler to help remind people that compassion for humans and animals alike is at the heart of the vegan movement. Ivana lives in London, where she spends her time acting, writing, podcasting, and tending to the needs of her very high-maintenance and oh-so-attractive cat, Puff. Welcome, Ivana. Hi, Victoria. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be on. And I have to echo your sentiments. Uh, I, As I told you before, I felt like I found my vegan mother in you. <laughs> it was so nice to finally meet you a few months ago. Yeah, it was it was wonderful. And, and I have to say so many people when they found out that you sat at my dining room table when I was a guest on your podcast, were all like, why didn't you tell me I could have come over? I wanted to meet her. <laughs> That's so sweet. <laughs> well, it would have been crowded. So Mana, your story, your, your vegan story and your life story is really fascinating. So just key us in on what was going on in your mind when you were 11 and stopped eating meat. Um, so a few things. I think um, I, I was starting to become really aware of, of, of food and that we had choice in it. And I started really reading about it. And um, I mean, I'd always been... I'd grown up with a family who kind of encouraged and nurtured kindness in me and, and drilled that in as one of the, as the main thing you had to be in life that, and the main thing that was important. Um, and we always had animals around us. And then I think, um, when I finally started to read about this stuff and read what was happening to animals and realized I had a choice and I was just really horrified and meat just immediately stopped becoming food. Um, but it was, so it was partly ethical, but it was partly I was just so repulsed by it. Um, and it was also around the time when I started to develop an eating disorder. I can't believe I'm going into the so heavy stuff, but um, I, I, I just, I, I don't know. I had that idea of, yeah, just what I was putting into my body really upset me. And I had this, I was, I was going down this kind of um, um, dysfunctional, like, a relation having this dysfunctional relationship with food where I saw foods as good and bad and definitely animal foods were bad so yeah it's it's hard to to like I I try not to talk about that too much but at the start it was it was just I was so um put off by the idea of of what I was putting into my body but um as I say it was my family definitely um I feel like all my family are vegans at heart and none of them have actually made the transition, but that, that was just what we grew up around. Um, so yeah, that's why I went vegetarian. What a wonderful way to look at it. That so many of these people that we love are vegans at heart. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's so true. I think it's just coming to an awakening at one point. So you said something really interesting in, in the bio that, that you sent me that growing up in Ireland, doing things that are counterculture and offbeat, such as going vegan, 
are regarded as a lack of humility. Now, I found that especially interesting because my guests last week um, were the vegan bros, and they talked about growing up in a very conservative Christian culture in which people who didn't eat meat were seen as bad. And yet you're saying you grew up around people who saw them as not humble. So tell mm. us about that. Yeah, there's this sort of, the, it's, it is, like, I see it as this Irish sensibility. And before I go into this, I will say I'm, I'm proud to be Irish and I, I love what it has taught me and what it's nurtured in me. But um, th- there's definitely this sense that anything you do that's too offbeat and too alternative is really pretentious and you shouldn't be getting these notions about yourself and you shouldn't be dreaming too big and you should limit yourself. So, and veganism was one of those things where it's like, oh, who do you think you are to reject the culture? And, and it's so much seen as your culture, like that there's, there's farmers down the road and, and, and especially in Ireland, like the, the, we're not as disconnected from the food system as maybe in America or in England, you know, you, you do know your local butcher. And I remember this is a funny anecdote, but, um, when I got the part in Harry Potter, um, they interviewed a lot of people in the, in the village uh, randomly and they interviewed the butcher, the local butcher. <laughs> and I remember being horrified because I was like, I'm a vegetarian. Um, and it was on the news. It was like, you found this local butcher, but it, it is, it's, you have that kind of relationship with the people around you. And it seems like you're criticizing them or insulting your heritage. And I found that that mentality really difficult to grow up around. And it was the same way with acting. Um, when I, when I was younger, I knew I wanted to be an actress and I would talk about this. And um, it's that idea of like, who do you think you are to want such great things out of life, you know, and the, you know, the tall poppy syndrome where you just, you should stay the same as everyone else and make people feel comfortable. And, and there's a nice side to it too, in that it's like family and community are, are strong, those values. And, and when you do make these choices that are more alternative, you definitely isolate yourself and it, it's a more lonely route to take. But I think it's more authentic and I think that's where real growth happens. But um, it's also why I find it, I, I, I haven't lived in Ireland since I was 18. I go back and I visit, but the, the just um, the guilt I feel for making choices that are different to what I grew up around really gets to me when I go home. So I need to be around people who have the bravery to, to make radical decisions and, and say, oh, what you taught me is not me and it's not what I choose anymore. Mm. This is all so fascinating. So what about the being a young actor? Had, had you studied acting from early childhood? How, how did you end up at that Harry Potter audition? <laughs> yeah, um, so I, I did. I, I went to drama classes when I was a kid, mainly because I, I was extremely shy and I didn't know how to overcome that. And yet I had this desire to express and be seen and to always be part of the story. So actually, I always say my first foray into acting was when I because um, I was raised Catholic and we would go to church and they would have um, children acting out scenes from the Bible every week. And I remember going to church and being like, I want to be on that stage. <laughs> I just saw it as a stage. Um, and so I, I kind of overcame my fear um, of, of, of being seen. It's just a, it's a strange thing to 
describe, you know, because you want to be seen, but you also don't. And, um, and you use characters to to excuse yourself or something or to, to just to be okay with being seen. So I, yeah, I started taking classes when I was about eight and it really helped me and I really found myself through it. And, um, but at the same time, in Ireland, like, again, it's, it's a small community and, and it seems so exotic to say that you want to be an actress. It seems so glamorous and unlikely. Um, and I didn't, yeah, I would say it to my parents, but I think they just didn't really, you know, their teachers very much believe in education and, and being practical. So I, I, I was, I was acting, but not professionally. And then, um, honestly, Harry Potter was my first professional acting job. Um, I was a huge Harry Potter fan and I used to frequent all the Harry Potter fan websites every day. And I knew that they were casting for this character that I absolutely adored. Um, and I really <laughs> desperately wanted to play. And so one day in, um, it was January, 2006, I went on one of the websites and there was an open casting call for the character. And, it was in London so I begged my dad to bring me to the audition and then he did and I had that one audition and then I had a screen test a week later and that was it everything changed after that <laughs> oh my goodness and I just so believe that so much of this is orchestrated and that you were supposed to have this giant reputation and save animals <laughs> I mean I don't know this that's just how I see the world and it's really interesting when you talked about taking on a character to make it safe to be seen. Because mm -hmm. I've heard this from so many actors. Really? And I used to think when I was growing up that I wanted to be an actor. And what I see now as a speaker is that that's really what I wanted to be because <laughs> I didn't want to be somebody else. Right. So it's an interesting uh, kind of personality thing. So something else, obviously, that we share is this history of eating disorders. Mm -hmm. And it should not keep people from being vegan. So right. talk about exactly. that. I'm so with you on that. It's so funny because that's, I don't know how this aligned, but um, that's the episode we were doing on Chick Peeps this week. Um, but yes, uh, it's something I feel like is not talked about very much in the vegan community. And it's not talked about because it's, you know, it's a delicate issue and, uh, people just don't know what to say. And every, every person's journey is so personal and, and you cannot just prescribe someone. Here's how you deal with this. Here's how you heal from this. But for me, it was the biggest obstacle in going vegan. Um, cause as I say, I went vegetarian when I was 11 and that was fine. And then I had an eating disorder around the same time for a couple of years. And then anytime I would bring up the idea of veganism to my mother, um, she would kind of just tell me it was like radical and it was a diet and it was extreme. And that's how I saw it. And I saw it as like people eating salad and being like self-flagellating when they craved chocolate or ice cream or anything like that. And so for me, it was like to, to go vegans would seem like a step backwards because when I recovered from eating disorder, it was so much about reclaiming all these foods that I'd seen as bad and, and just, and not making my relationship be with food be so emotional and not letting it be ruled by guilt and shame. So when I actually, when I first went vegan after reading a lot of books and being so horrified by what I read and, um, I, I was doing it really out of guilt. I was doing it out of, um, 
thinking about the animals and I would watch slaughterhouse videos and uh, and I would read all these things to traumatize myself but to kind of I was trying to brainwash myself into being vegan but I was so miserable about it because then every time I ate a meal I was thinking of miserable things and I was thinking of this is what you have to do and veganism for me was like a real should and I felt like the eyes of the vegan police on me it was it was just it was very bad and very toxic and I, and I as I say it felt like I would get emotional around food again because I felt like I was going backwards and all the positive steps I'd taken towards recovery were where I was going back as going backwards. And, um, and nobody, I wish somebody had really taught me how to do it properly, how there's a mindful, healthy way to do it. And because yes, it is true. There's all these things happening that are bad to animals and this is the real root of why we should be veganism but there's so many positive reasons to go vegan too and i think when you have a history of eating disorders and when you've had an abusive relationship with food you need to think of the positive and you need to make eating joyful and you need to make it about abundance rather than restriction so the real shift for me came when i spoke to um a friend uh, eric marcus from vegan he runs vegan.com and he told me um about the crowding out method he was like don't cut anything out of your diet right away he, he that that it's not about a diet it's about you're learning an, a new lifestyle it's like a new language that so you're trying to add things in and learn about them so there's he taught me that there was just like a whole world of plant foods that i needed to learn to cook as a vegan not as a vegetarian or a meat eater who saw vegetables as a side dish and and so i started to do that gradually would would replace things product by product and i kept the things i had been eating and struggling with that weren't vegan in my diet but then over time those things just fell away and as i kind of educated myself in a more gentle way it became more like i i won't have that rather than i can't have that and that for me is a phrase i really object to as a vegan when people say oh you can't eat that can you because it's like no it's about choice it's not about me banning myself or me depriving myself it's about me choosing who i want to be so mm. that's in a nutshell <laughs> and do you, what kind of support do you feel that you get from the vegan community i mean i know you live in london now and when i go there every few years for the veg fest and i love london i lived there when i was young and it just feels like my second home and the the community is so so strong but is it strong and supportive or strong and distant what what's it like um uh, is in the people you meet in person right i found them to be so kind and wonderful and uh not scary at all and I, I i you know going to these these veg fests i go to them as well and like every year the queue is longer it comes kind of becomes a little bit overwhelming for a social introvert but um no it's so great and even just through doing this podcast i've had people over to my place like what you do and and i like make them cake and i meet them and they've really become my friends and it's so nice i don't know i've never really had in-person vegan friends until i started the podcast and started like pushing myself outside of my comfort zone and having to reach out to people um because i don't do that so often because i'm afraid <laughs> but it's been really amazing and uh i think just when you have in like real vegan friends you you find um 
you can just skip a whole part of explaining who you are and explaining why you are a certain way. I'm sure you find this too. And you can, like you do spend a lot of time talking about vegan stuff, but also about other stuff because it's it's just you being vegan is not the most interesting thing about you anymore yeah. as it is to most people or the most peculiar things. So, no, I found the London community just to be wonderful and, um, yeah, very supportive. Oh, that's wonderful because that's what I have found when I've been there. And in some ways, I think because veganism started there, it all seems so lofty. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's where the <laughs> rules come out of. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm kind of thinking, okay, am I doing it all right? Cause I'm over here in the vegan Vatican and it's cool <laughs> to see that for you living there. And this is so fun, Ivana, when you talked about the cake, because that really reminds me that you are an Irish lass. <laughs> when I was in Dublin in the early 1980s, researching what became my first book. I thought at the time it was a college paper, but it did turn out to be Compassion, the Ultimate Ethic, my first book. I stayed with a Roman Catholic priest who was vegan at home. He did revert to vegetarian when he went out to visit his parishioners, and he would bring the dog and the budgie in the cage and go just randomly visit people from his parish, and they would open their homes, and there would be this amazing spread of pastries like I've never seen anywhere in the world. It's almost mm. like you just kind of have these every day. <laughs> so when you said you feed your guests cake when they come to be on your podcast. That is how Irish people express love. Like that is, Aww. and it, you know, it's so funny when I, because I lived in LA for five years. And when I first moved there and moved in with an, a roommate, an American girl, um, and it was her birthday. And I remember like I did the thing of making her a cake and she looked at me like it was a potion making class because I realized that they only make cakes from boxes <laughs> where it's all pre-mixed and you add water. It was so funny. But yeah, that and, and that, do you know what? That's something that has been like at first was difficult as a vegan rejecting my mother's cakes that she would make. She did this thing every time I come home where she makes a vegan. No, she would make a cherry cake. And I love cherry cake. And for the longest time, she didn't know how to veganize it purely because she just didn't think it could be veganized. But uh, that was a hard thing for me because, as I say, Irish people, especially, and I mean, most mothers, they do. They express themselves and their love through food. And you saying no to that cake is saying no to them and their love and they don't know what to do. And it was it was difficult. And at times I would just be like, I'm just going to have the cake. But eventually my mom kind of she came around to the idea and she literally just had to Google it. And she made a cake oh. and she was so amazed by how it turned out. And that opened a whole new chapter for her baking and cooking. But yeah, wow. Oh, big that's part of my identity. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And, you know, and even those times when you just ate the cake, I know there are some vegans who would be very shocked by that. But I remember one of my early mentors saying, this is about doing the most good and the least harm in any given situation. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, we're entitled to make those choices, especially in the beginning when we're kind of feeling this out and learning how to do it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And um as you say at the beginning and it's so much about bringing the person with you on the journey too. like my mother I I, sh- I wish at the time I'd I'd taken more initiative and been like right let's sit down and make a, cher- a vegan cherry cake um but I probably left it too long but but I didn't I also was like what if it goes wrong but um yeah no I think it, it, it's about 
it's those things. There are more difficult steps on your journey and you do have to do research and, and help people along with it. Because especially to uh, my mom who was born in like the 50s in Ireland or 60s. I don't want to age her. Um, but, you know, that's just 70s. like it's still, yeah. <laughs> it, it still is um, quite a strange thing. Veganism is strange, and she's opening her mind to it a lot, especially through listening to podcasts. But um, Aww, yeah, you have to be with them and appreciate where they came from. Of course. Oh, you have such a big soul, Miss. <laughs> so you talk about your podcast, The Chick Peeps, as a way to promote effective activism. So, what do you mean by effective activism? So I have seen it because like as I when I went vegan I started just getting a lot of questions from people who were not people who are like cuz I find that most people in general don't want animals to suffer you know they're like they 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 agree with the vegan ideology it's just more about the how to go vegan it's that's where they trip up and i think some vegans get lost in like being perfect and and being right like they want to be right and they're usually right you know these people who are very conscientious and have been doing vegan for doing veganism for a long time they they're usually right but it's about getting people to listen as well that's what that's what i mean by effective and um People won't listen if they feel judged or if they feel like you're um, making like an assault on their identity. Um, and I was talking to, so we had Jasmine Singer on this week's episode of the podcast, and she was talking about that, like how what you need to like it's it's more about like telling your story rather than like pointing out their bad behaviors like giving examples and anecdotes because otherwise they're going to um like nobody wants to be made feel like they're a bad person or that they're the choices that they've been making for several decades of their life is terrible and wrong and even though it is it's like they're maybe not ready to hear that like everyone wants to feel loved and welcomed and included and you need to talk to them that way and and I, I i always do activism like as if i was talking to my younger self who i believe was definitely vegan at heart but she you know if i if i'd said to her oh you being a vegan i mean you've been vegetarian or and being saying you're an ethical vegetarian you're a total hypocrite and you're you, you know you're 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 a fraud i would have just shut that person down i would have said I know I love animals. I I care for them. I don't want to do wrong. And I wouldn't have listened to the message at all. The message would have got lost in the nastiness and judgment of that person, of that vegan, which I think I never had that in person, but I saw it online anytime I would go on forums and, and see vegans calling out vegetarians because they really do take shots at vegetarians and i think we need to see it as, as something positive as like okay they have that compassionate bone in them already how do we draw that out and how do we see um the, the vegan in them and bring it out and, and it, that's with everything in life like people it's like you know with watering flowers they they grow when you feed them and yeah water them and 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 you have to like see the beautiful part of the person first to bring it out like you even me being an actress it, it may not have happened if a few teachers hadn't said oh you know you're actually really good at acting or um anything that you pride yourself and that you love about yourself and and with veganism it's it may be like compassion or yeah you're a kind person you're a compassionate person and and you want to recognize that in the person and then uh just make it bloom and i i just think that sometimes when vegans want to be right and when they want to educate they sometimes really isolate people by making them feel bad and that just 
turns people off and it gives veganism as as a whole a, a really bad reputation. Mm, so beautifully put. <laughs> you, you also, you talk about the us versus them mentality, you know, that vegans sometimes have against non-vegans. Uh-huh. I feel that in this country, maybe not so much um, in, in the UK, and I don't know about Ireland at this time because I haven't been there in a long time, mm-hmm. but there seems to be a split uh, between the health vegans or, or the plant-based people and the ethical vegans. And, you know, you'll kind of hear these little digs on either side. Do you see that? Um, between health and ethical vegans? Yeah. I don't, I guess I don't really see that as much. I was more referring to, like, especially at home in Ireland at the moment, there's big debates between the, the, the dairy industry kind of took on veganism as the enemy. Um, but no, I mean, I, 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 to answer your question, no, I haven't really experienced that, but I see it as those, you know, those people are still doing good and they're not the people I look up to as examples because I think if you're a health vegan you can still uh you know it your your commitment isn't as firm and you can still be like you see that with celebrities they go vegan for their health but then they're still wearing fur and leather and that kind of thing and so they're not they're just not aligned with what I believe but you know as long as like that you, you never know whose mind is going to be opened by Beyonce going vegan or whoever. That's true. I'm sure a lot of people. Yeah. I think just going vegan for any reason changes people. I don't know if if it's the food, if it changes Mm -hmm. us at a cellular level. Yeah. People stick with it long enough. um, They tend to see all the various parts and pieces. Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny that, isn't it? Like you don't expect it to happen to you, but yeah, I've definitely noticed that too, that you kind of find an inner peace. And I don't know, is that attributed to the community of, or just, it's just like that thing of not lying to yourself anymore and giving up the cognitive dissonance and, and not feeling, yeah, like you have to put blinders on around a huge area of your life, you know, that you, that you eat three times, four or five times a day, whatever. And, and most people have to just ignore, they just have to really, uh, yeah, put on blinders, as I say. Well, um, you have obviously taken yours off. <laughs> you do, uh, so many amazing things in the world. So for anybody who wants to find Ivana and her wonderful work online, you can go to thechickpeeps.com. Uh, on Facebook, it's Chick Peeps Podcast. And on Twitter and Instagram, Chick Peeps Pod. Uh, and I'll put all of uh, Ivana's social media on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. So I wanted to just talk with you for a minute, Ivana, about social media. And you talked about how sometimes people can kind of get their digs in on social media. And yet you have huge social media followings. And I would imagine you spend quite a bit of time there. How do you do that? How do you navigate oh, your relationships with all of these people that you don't see um (laughs) it's a it's a tricky one and it's a struggle and sometimes i i don't i don't actually check it that often um i i for my own mental health i have to not but i mean first of all i have a very hard golden rule about social media where because i i mostly get positive kind feedback um nice people Uh, it it, 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 would it's 
it's been a bit of more controversial stuff when I, when I when I post about vegan stuff and when I am very um, clear with my views and I don't sugarcoat it. Um, but my my rule is that if I'm going to respond to a negative comment, I have to respond to three positive ones because uh, there's always so much more positive. And I just don't think it's fair to give attention and energy and time to somebody who's negative and and unkind to you when there's so when there's so many people sending love and flooding love in your direction so um that's been a good practice for me because it's always tempting to jump up and get defensive um and and just rail at people um but i just don't think it's good for you but i mean in terms of managing it i i i I just try and be thankful to people when they say something interesting i very much don't like to enable like fan worship and because i get a lot of that in I don't really check DMs, but when I do, I see a lot of people, you know, and especially the character I played, Luna Lovegood, she was such a social outcast and she was bullied a lot and she really handled it well. So I get a lot of people who kind of feel like I'm their long lost best friend. And I I, I generally don't like to encourage that because I, I, I'm kind of a figment of their imagination. Um, they don't know me and they, they don't, they can't handle my baggage because they don't know it, you know? Um, so yeah, it, it's a, it's a tricky it's a tricky balance because I want to help and, and, and be kind to people. And that, you know, for me growing up, I had idols. I, JK Rowling was a huge inspiration to me. And I was one of these very lucky people who she wrote back to, and we started up a correspondence and I know how much she meant to me, but I just think it's important not to idolize people and, and to empower yourself and also to, to be emboldened by the people around you. And I think for a while I, I, I did definitely get obsessed with, a fan mail and the whole I don't know just the, the, managing that kind of stuff but I found I was just talking to people who were talking about me and it made my world very small and um, I, it, I found I was talking to fans more than I was to friends and that's they're never going to reflect you accurately because accurately, they don't know you so um, now my dad handles my fan mail <laughs> he good. sorts them into bundles yeah and because I do but I, I believe in expressing gratitude and 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 sending love back to people because I know what an influence like Luna Lovegood the character had on me and before I was in the films how much the actors in the films um, helped me as well um, especially in the Harry Potter series because they, it is a, a world of of outcasts and oddbods and <laughs> all these weirdos and that's how so many people feel growing up but um yeah it's just it's just a balance and um being being kind to people and um not and then then taking breaks from it and not buying into your own myth i don't know i'm definitely not an expert on it and i have more to do (laughs) in that department oh you sound like an expert to me and (laughs) what what was what is it like i mean you're you're still very young and yet Mm -hmm. you're you've had to transition from being I guess you'd still call it a child star, even though you were a teenager, Mm -hmm. into being an adult actor. And um, thanks for your kindness in uh, treating uh, my husband and me to the performance of Disco (laughs) Pigs that you did here in New York for Irish Repertory Company. Mm. I mean, he'll just randomly bring it up and and, and say, what a performance. You know, (laughs) I mean, both. It was a a two-person show. I mean, and I mean... (laughs) You were both just stunning and and amazing, and it was so 
physical and so visceral. So you're obviously really, really gifted. And how do you kind of take Luna Lovegood and bring her into <laughs> into now? Yeah. Um, or, or oh, that's so nice of you to say, Victoria. I, I was I was so nervous of you coming to that show because I respect you so much. And I was like, I was never trying to warn you. Like, there's a lot of swearing. There's a lot of crazy things. But anyway, no, it meant so much that you did come. Um, I, I, I just, I suppose, I always see characters like, I have all the characters I've played within me and all the characters I've yet to play are just sides of myself I haven't expressed. And it's just kind of like leaning into those different sides of yourself. So I know I still have Luna in me, you know, I know I still have that peaceful um, kind of, yeah, that free spirited flowing energy that she has. And there'll be times where I'll call on that, like, especially when I go to events or I'm in public and I feel nervous and I feel this sense of not being enough. That's when I'm like, right, I need my Luna. I need to, just have that energy of just being and then there'll be other times where I'll want my character from Disco Pigs, I'll want Run to be sassy and confident and not listen to other people's opinions so um, yeah, I, I never felt this sense that I needed to like redefine myself because I know Luna is how most people see me and I know what a gift it's been, um, it's opened so many doors, like I've met so many people through it and I, you know it just, it just it is. It's, there's a, I can deny it all I want and be like, oh my, it's like talk about my other work, but I know that's the thing people are interested in. So I'm very grateful for that. But um, I think that just the key is for me to not see myself as that and to d- distance myself. And yeah, at times it has been hard. And I think there was a phase where I was very much like playing to that and trying to be what people wanted and people liked, which was the lunar part of me. But um, just gets exhausting and, and as I like it, it is my 14 to 18 year old self and nobody walks around followed by the work they did when they're 14 to 18 so um, yeah I don't I don't know how other how other way to answer that uh, you did it so beautifully and and, you, and and again you remind me of myself because for me 14 to 18 was when I was being this ace girl reporter meeting rock stars uh, starting with the Beatles when I was 14 and, wow. and all of those 1960s kind of performers and writing the articles half the time and half the time not, <laughs> just yeah. having the experience. And so it's still in me, even at this late date. And yet, you know, as you say, you have to move on. So, yeah, you have oh my to goodness. Yeah. You're wise beyond your years. <laughs> so tell us where, where we hear the chick peeps and what we're going to be hearing coming up. Yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, the Chick Peeps is on our website is www.thechickpeeps.com. We're on all the social medias, um, and we release one episode a week. We're not as great as you are with releasing them on time, unfortunately, because everyone else we're 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 new to it. Um, but yeah, we've we've got an, um, an episode this week on eating disorders. It should be out tomorrow. Talking more in depth, talking with Jasmine Singer and a friend Bianca Taylor, um, all sharing their experiences. And then we're going to be speaking to some vegan athletes and kind of this season we said we'd cover like the basics and Victoria you know how much I love your podcast it's very surreal for me to be on this because I've been listening to it for four to five years and long before I had the confidence to quote-unquote come out as a vegan you gave me such a sense of community and I think I I just started the chickpeas because I was like I felt like I was learning so much from yours but I I felt we needed a podcast for like newbies for total beginners to ask like the really 
dumb questions. <laughs> I mean, like obvious ones that people that me as a vegan, like, you know, the, the honey thing or the having backyard hens. I, I was like, you know, as a vegan, I'd be like, yeah, I know it's wrong. I know we shouldn't do that, but I don't know why. And I, I don't have the courage to ask any of my vegan friends. So our series is very much like going yeah, the basics. And it's kind of, we aim it at non-vegans, like as I say, people who I know are vegan at heart, but who need a little bit of help and don't want to feel intimidated or scared off by it. So yeah, it's on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and it's a lot of fun. Well, I'm sure it is because it's yours. So (laughs) really quickly, we have a very hard stop at um, (laughs) the top of the hour, but in addition to being an actor, you're a storyteller, and maybe that's just part of being Irish, but mm. you say that storytelling is the best medium for animal activism. Do you have one minute on that? Yeah, let's see. Um, <laughs> well, one I minute just, and a half. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would go back to like my formative years as a child and the things, the movies that the things I, I really feel made me vegetarian before I was vegetarian were movies like Babe and Charlotte's Web and um, Chicken Run. Like those movies, I was always on the animal side. I always felt for the innocent and was angry that the humans were doing this, not realizing that they were doing this in the real in the real world too. And I just feel like, People either are changed through their heart or through their head. And I, I do know friends who are changed through their head. Like facts really affect them and mean a lot to them. But for me, I have to feel it in my heart before I'm changed. I can read all the facts in the world and it just won't have an impact on me. But like even your book, Victoria, and I'll try to be on time here, but your book, You're Main good. Street Vegan, there was so much I learned from that book. But the story that I always remember was um you, and it's just a short little story, but you talk about the cow... um and how she is scared and then um do you know what i'm talking about where oh i do I, you talk about um the cow trusts this person and we betray them and i just remember being so like a f- deeply affected by that and those are the stories i want to read i want to relate to the animal and feel how they're feeling and i think that's again it's compassion that's why i say it's at the root of the movement because we us feeling what animals feel and going through that that's what will make the world vegan so and i believe stories are the way to do that and they kind of trick people into it because <laughs> They feel it and then they can't go back. Um, yeah. And you can always argue with facts, but but not with your heart. Oh, that's so beautiful. And and even your work. You're, you're a storyteller in your work. You're a storyteller for the animals. So um, good job there. It's been <laughs> Thanks, Victoria. Such, such a beautiful experience for me, Ivana. <laughs> thank you so, so much. Oh, no, thank you. It's, it's such an honor to be on. I, I can't wait to tell everyone. Can't wait to tell my mom. <laughs> well, come back to New York and we can hang out or maybe I will make it to London. Yes. So thank you, Ivana Lynch. Thanks to Liz D and Vegan Lady Boss. And thanks to you for listening. God bless you and eat every single one of your veggies. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. 
And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>